another episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. My name is Pastor Nathan Paygard, and I'm grateful that you could join me today, and I'm looking forward to walking through the Word with you. The scripture for this uh, this episode of the podcast is going to be Psalm 8. Um, actually, earlier this morning, I was at a Bible study, and we were reading Genesis 1, and uh, that can be kind of a counterpart scripture if you're interested in doing maybe a more comprehensive Bible study uh, with Genesis 1 after you listen to the podcast, um, I encourage you to. It's it's something that just in reading this psalm, uh, which I just flipped to uh, before we started here, uh, there there are so many connections, and at least the message that I, I believe God is, is speaking to me right now, uh, given the, the previous Bible study, is um, reminding me to reflect on God's creation, His design, um, and and basically from that jumping off point and how it relates to Psalm 8, I think the theme for, for this episode is the idea of worship, the idea of praise, um, awe and wonderment, amazement in, in what God has created. Because it, it really, if, if you take just a second and, and think about it, um, it's, it's pretty overwhelming just taking in what God has created and, and how we fit into that design. Um, so if, if that's something that you would like to do, um, uh, as an addition to, to this podcast, uh, go into Genesis 1, read through Genesis 1, then go into Psalm 8, uh, go, go back and forth between the two. And, and I, I really believe that would really be a blessing for you and, and would shed a lot more light on uh, this idea of worship, this idea of God's creation, his design. Um, so like I said, Psalm 8, there, there's no specific purpose uh, for Psalm 8 for this podcast, but I, I do believe that's something that God uh, wants me to talk about, and this idea of worship is going to be the theme. So let's go ahead and 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 pray, and then we'll go ahead and read it, and um, and then we can we can take it apart and, and look at what are the themes and the things that we can get out of this chapter, and how that relates to our faith in Jesus, and how we can use that um, and move forward uh, with a stronger understanding and a stronger uh, desire to to worship God and His creation. So let's go ahead and pray real quick. Father, I thank you that we have this uh, opportunity and this ability via technology to to do Bible studies together uh, through the internet or uh, just through these recording devices. We thank you that we have the opportunity, like so many other people who do not have this opportunity, thank you that we have that opportunity to, to reach out to one another using the web and, and using the technology we have at our fingers and, and that we can use that to draw closer to you. Help us to, to take this time and to, to seek out truth for ourselves um, in the scripture, this voice uh, of the Father speaking truth to all of us. How it relates to our situation, that's how you're going to communicate that to us. But we thank you that you communicate. Thank you that you allow us to approach you and that we have a place alongside you and your son Jesus that we can, can become aware and, and become privy to the, the amazing details of your creation and and your will for us in that creation so thank you for for giving good things and thank you for drawing us to you uh during this time and help us to to hear your voice and to hear truth in this chapter so that we can bring more praise uh and more worship into our life uh in regards to you so thank you father for what we have and and just help us to understand your truth uh and what you want us to hear guide my words uh guide my uh, my explanations so that the explanations are clear so that we can understand truth um, uh, un- unhindered by by language or or style 
but we just ask, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can receive truth as you intend us to receive it during this time. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 8. Um, So like I've said in previous podcasts, uh, I'm reading out of the NIV version. If you happen to be reading out of a different version, um, that's fine. That There's no, no problem with that. But um, it might help to, to read your version and then uh, then join us and, and, and hear the NIV version as, as opposed to trying to get both of them at the same time. So your preference, you can stop the podcast now and read your version uh, of Psalm 8 and then restart the podcast or stick around and listen to uh, the reading of Psalm 8 and NIV, and then pause it afterwards and read your version. But um, if you're reading a different version, uh, I, I advise you or encourage you to, to take those separate just so you can let it sink in. Um, and there's no no distraction with the different words or um, descriptions in the different versions. So this is Psalm 8, and we're going to go through the entire psalm. It's not very long, just nine verses. Um, and here we go. So this is verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praises. Because of your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. All that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So one thing that we notice um, immediately about this psalm is that it has bookends. So it has the first verse and verse 9, um, just repeating itself. So, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Um, we can identify those as truth statements. You know, it starts with a truth statement, and it closes with a truth statement. You know, starts with an amen, finishes with an amen. Um, and we can kind of derive our our, our core message and, and lesson from this, this chapter by looking at those truth statements. So it's, O Lord, our Lord. There's a lot there. You could probably write a book about, O Lord, our Lord. But first it's saying it's our Lord and it's praising him. So we're calling out to our Lord and saying, God, my God, in the same way that Jesus is saying that on the cross. It's identifying who we're talking to and we're crying out to him. And it's our collective Lord, our collective master, King. So we're crying out, but this isn't a cry of desperation. This isn't a cry of agony or suffering or pain. This is a cry of the heart, a cry of the spirit for the purpose of praise and worship. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So how beautiful are you in all the earth. So again, we can learn more about this this you know entire chapter from that second part of verse one. It's not just crying out to God, but it's crying crying out to God, our God, in praise. And not praise for our current situation or something good that just happened. Praise for him. Praise to our Lord. 
at the time of this this psalm and how and and David writing it. Obviously, we don't have the whole story, but we do. You know, David is just writing this. This is coming from him and his heart and what he's going through. But we have the whole story, and O oh Lord, our Lord, you know, that's directed towards Christ. So as a Christian, when I'm worshiping, when I'm in a place where I'm worshiping, and that doesn't necessarily mean your worship set at your church on Sunday. You know, we tend to, in the same ways that we've talked about in previous podcasts, that we don't, sometimes we forget how we're supposed to understand the Bible. Old, new, dark, light, happy, sad, mean, gentle. We, we, we tend to, you know, make these, you know, black and white kind of statements and kind of structures in our mind to understand God. And sometimes we do that with worship. You know, okay, it's time for worship. You know, we have the worship set. Let's get the worship band. And those are all true. You know, that, that worship set that you have on Sunday or when you listen to your worship music, you know, or this idea that worship is associated with song, that's absolutely true. But limiting it, you know, limiting worship to just music, it excludes, I'd say, the majority of the actual worship that God really desires from us. So worship at its essence is a cry out to our Father, but not a cry in desperation and anguish. It's the explosion from within your spirit and your soul that wants to rejoice in the Lord. So not rejoicing in what your hands have made, not rejoicing in what you did, but it's this explosion from within to praise God and to praise our Savior Jesus. So those are the truth statements that God has created such a beautiful and majestic creation and we have that in Christ. And those are the true statements and that our desire from within is to, you know, you can say, you can, you can sing, shout, praise. It's just an explosion, a, a desire that is, is impossible to keep, you know, held within. It naturally wants to come out. You naturally are overflowing with that praise. And that that's worship. Worship, worship is not playing musical musical instruments or just playing music or singing or being in the worship set or worship part of your service that is included within worship but worship is you looking at God you looking at Christ and saying my lord my god you know how majestic is your name in all the earth how beautiful you are Jesus how majestic are you in this earth so there's a huge difference. You can have a worship band during a worship set, not actually worshiping the Lord. I, 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 you know, I, I hope that's not the situation at your church. I hope that's not the situation at any church. But that's possible. The possibility is there. In the same way that you can read your Bible and not hear from the Lord. Same reason you can go to church and not really be there for God. Same reason you go, can go to a Bible study and not receive anything any sustenance or provision from the Lord. It's it's how our heart is motivated and intending to receive. So if I go to the, the worship set only thinking about music, only thinking about how good we sound or how talented the musicians are, or if I go to the, the Bible only wanting to check off my, my, my box for that day, you know, if everything is about me, it's not worship. It's self-worship, but it's not worship as we find it in Scripture. 
So when David writes, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that's the bookend at verse 1 and verse 9. It's identifying that God is the creator and he is the recipient of our praise. And not just our praise, but this desire that's coming from within that cannot be withheld. It's a, it's a desire that you want to look upon what he's created and sing and shout and glorify the name of Jesus. Now that's worship. So if you take that and you apply that to the worship set or to reading your Bible or to your Bible study or you attending church, now that's worship. And all of that's worship. Your life as a Christian is constantly in a state of worship. Because if you're approaching Christ as Christ, if you're approaching God as God, your eyes are fixed on him. And when you're looking at God as he is, when you look upon Jesus as he is, it's beautiful. It's majestic. And when you look upon something majestic and beautiful, you can't help but rejoice. When you look at a beautiful vista, when you look at a beautiful painting, when you hear a beautiful song, when you eat some beautiful food, when we are in the presence of beauty, there's something that wells up within us and we want to just explode and rejoice that thing. We're not, we're not exploding and rejoicing our reaction to that thing. You know, I don't look at a painting and think, oh my gosh, I'm so overcome by how I'm overcome. Or you don't eat a delicious meal and say, oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed with how I ate it. You don't hear a piece of music and say, that is so beautiful the way that sound went into my ear. I mean, it sounds silly, but that's basically what happens when we get into God's presence and we don't acknowledge what we're looking at. The reason we want to lift our hands up and, and jump out of our seat at a sporting event and scream, just make noise. You know, when you look at people in the stands after, you know, a touchdown is scored or a goal is scored or, you know, whatever happens, you know, a point is made, people just start yelling. You know, it might not be anything specific. They just start, It's like something just explodes out of their soul. And it's because of that thing they saw. So that brings us to the question of what are we looking at? You know, what are we looking at that makes us have that reaction or that should evoke that reaction of pure worship? Pure worship that is God-centered or Christ-centered or his creation-centered and that gets our eyes off of ourself and onto God, onto the creator, the actual source of what we're looking at. So what is, what is that? That's the question. If we have those truth statements of verse 1 and verse 9, that we're looking, about, we're looking upon God, we're looking upon, upon Christ as the, 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 the thing worthy of our worship, the recipient of our worship, and we're acknowledging that he is the focus and that this is, this is a collective shout of praise, you could say. This is a collective celebration, our Lord. This is not my Lord. This is our Lord in the same way that our Father in the prayer Jesus teaches is our Father. This is a collective movement. So what is it? So that's where we can go into the end of the chapter and see what is it. So first, if we look at verse 2. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. The first thing I get from verse 2 is that what makes God so beautiful and what makes Jesus so majestic is that he uses anybody. 
and that according to God, according to Jesus, there are not there there are no levels of worth. You don't have a child dismissed because they're a child. You don't have someone who's elderly dismissed because they're elderly. You don't have a foreigner dismissed because they're a foreigner. You don't have someone who's uneducated dismissed because they're uneducated. Now, if we take the, the, the way the world approaches levels and divisions and categories, you have all of that. What could that, you know, what could that little kid know? Just a kid. What does that old man know? Just an old man. Old traditions. What does that foreigner know? Doesn't know how we do things here. What does that uneducated person know? They haven't studied. They don't know what we know. They don't know. They don't read the books that we've read. You know, you look at around the world and it's all who's worthy. And people strive their entire life to just be worthy. To have self-worth. To have value. To have a purpose. And not just to have that identified in their own mind, but to have that affirmed by other people. That's huge. And we all feel that. We all, when we're, you know, just, when we're just alone, looking at ourselves in the mirror, figuratively, or literally, we all want to know that we have a purpose and that we are worth something. And we want someone else, someone else, not lower than us. We want someone else above us, affirming us and validating that value that we feel. So if I'm a great chef, having a little kid who eats dirt tell me that what I cooked is great, it's nice, but it's from a kid, right? What does a kid know? But if I have some professional, you know, Michelin star chef say, now this, this is real cooking. This is art. You know, it fills your heart up. You want to rejoice because of that, that response from that person. And the, one of the things that's so beautiful about God, and, and you see that in Jesus and the way that he conducted his ministry, you know, picking nobodies. You know, he just he, he, he picked the right people, but they weren't necessarily the right people according to the world. Often they were the wrong people. And in Christ, you are welcomed. The only, only condition is if you're looking to Christ to welcome you. That's the only condition. You know, Jesus said, I came to heal the sick. So that's establishing he is the doctor, you're the patient. For me to be accepted by Jesus, to have that affirmation of who I am, and to have that value placed upon my life, I have to acknowledge that he's the doctor. So it's not just, you know, something that we tell you know tell each other that I that I convince myself and work myself up into a frenzy saying God loves me and I'm special no that's a legit truth statement of who God is and how he views us in the creation and that's what this whole chapter is about it's about us and David in this psalm is confronting that and thinking how how is this possible how can you pick anybody how can you use anybody that's not how we've done it that's not how my 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 family does it. That's not how my job does it. It's not how our, our culture does it. It's not how the world does it. How is this possible that you look upon me, a child, and you ordain praise through me, through my life, the words that I speak, 
you know, Jesus often said, you have to become like a child in order to embrace what I'm bringing into this world. In order to enter my kingdom, you have to become like a child. And not a child that is shoved off to the side as a kid or a child, but a child that God intends to use, will use, wants to use, and has created to use. So the first thing that we see in this psalm is that one of the reasons that we look upon God or we look upon Christ and we rejoice is that for the first time, someone above us just accepts us as we are. All of our flaws, all of our mistakes from the past, all of the things that the world has said, that's why we won't hire you. That's why we won't accept you. That's why you're not as good as us. All of those things are wiped clean in the blood of Jesus. And he says, come, child, welcome home, good and faithful servant, beloved. I mean, this is the language that he uses towards us. And it sounds, it sounds completely unbelievable and irrational and illogical that me, knowing all my faults, knowing all the things that I have done and I'm capable of, knowing that, knowing my sin, knowing who I am and how I've been you know, treated by the world, rejected, left aside, not picked. How does God just accept me? But he does. That's why it's good news. Doesn't mean that you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you don't have to change things, but you're accepted and not just accepted, but you are highly valuable to God. He looks upon you and says, you are perfect and you are going to do great things together with me, following me as your Lord, your majestic and beautiful Lord, following me, you are going to change things and you are going to be an an agent of the kingdom of God to release so much power and healing and light into this world that no job could could, could, could have given you that. No team could have given you that. Nothing in this world can give you the value that God puts upon your life and that he desires to. You know, we we are so convinced that our value and affirmation will come from somewhere else and you won't find it. You won't find that. People are unpredictable. They're fickle, inconsistent. One day you're in, next day you're out. You're only as good as your last product. You're only good until someone else comes up and is better. You might have it for a season. You might be affirmed and valued and highly valuable for a season. But that will not last. Maybe if you're listening to this, maybe that's already happening. Or maybe it hasn't happened yet. But that's the truth. That value, that affirmation that we get from the world will not last. It will fade. With Christ, the good news, the reason why we can rejoice is that that's there forever. You are a co-heir with Christ. You are a highly favored child of God. That's point number one. Why we can worship, why we can look upon the Lord and say, Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Next, we can go to verse 3, and we'll read a little bit further too. It says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So this is 
David kind of pushing a little deeper. You know, at first it's, you know, I'm a nobody. You know, David, I'm small. Just a sheep herder. Just a shepherd. I just have a, you know, I just just have a sling. I'm not trained. And God says, you will conquer the giant. You will lead this nation. You will be my agent in the story of the salvation of the world culminating in Jesus Christ. He will come from that line. But then what we do, I mean, uh, aside from just who we are, it goes deeper. It's not just our external realities or our age, where we come from. It goes deeper, goes into the heart. It says when you look at God's creation, when you look at nature, you know, the, the, the desktop picture on my computer right now is Yosemite National Park in California, and it's beautiful. The trees, the mountains, the sky, it's beautiful. When you look at nature and how it works perfectly without us, we, it doesn't need us. It just works. God created it to work. You know, go into Genesis 1, do that exercise. He created everything to work, to be sustainable, and to thrive and to flourish. And then when you look at us, when man goes into a national park, suddenly there's garbage. Suddenly there's trails. Suddenly you see trees cut down. I mean, you don't have to be some extreme environmentalist to see that we have caused damage in this creation because of our need to have more and our need to have more faster. That's a true statement about this world. Sin wants more. Sin is never satisfied. And sin is, is, is overwhelmed and consumed with self-worship, self-glorification. And we've gone into a, 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 a perfectly working machine of nature in this creation. And we have not shepherded it, fostered it. We've destroyed it because we want more. You know, God called us in Genesis 1 to rule over it. Ruling means to be a king over that, to manage it, to protect it. I think there's a lot of examples, and we won't get into that deeper here, but there's a lot of examples. You can look around and see that we have in so many ways interfered with that creation. So David's looking at that contrast. He can even see it then and saying, who am I, man, to be even more highly favored than this beautiful thing I see? And knowing my sin, knowing what's in my heart, how do you highly favor me? How do you give me a place where I'm a little lower than heavenly beings crowned with glory and honor? How do you give me this position where I'm a child of you? Not just a creation that you like, but I'm in the family. And then bring that further into the gospel and what we have in Christ. How is it that I am co-heir with Christ? Knowing my sin and my track record versus his perfection and his place of honor part of that trinity, part of being God as the Son. How in the world do we have equal admittance, equal access that Jesus has? That's grace. If you are really honest with yourself and you look at yourself in the mirror, you know that you don't deserve what the the Bible and what the gospel is giving you. You don't deserve that. Yet, that's what we receive. That's what we are offered in Jesus. So it's not just my external circumstances or, 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 or you know, what I look like or my abilities. It goes deeper. Knowing yourself, knowing you, things that only you know that you're not comfortable sharing with other people. You know the depth of your heart. You know your sin. 
You know what you think about when you're alone at night, when you're alone and no one's there. You know those moments. You know. And even with that, God says, I'm going to, like in Genesis 1, I'm not just going to love you and create a thing that's so good, but I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to let you rule this. I've created you to work alongside me. And when you look at our sin, when you look at that offer, at that gift of our place with God, you can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. Unless there's just grace. It's a gift. And that's what it is. In Christ, we have that identity, that we are ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation, co-heirs with Christ, sons, daughters of God, highly favored children. We call out in the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. We call out Papa. He just loves us being with him, having union with him as part of that family, part of his creation. And we are highly favored. He has given us the place, not because of our works, but because in Christ and his works and his life, death, and resurrection, we have a way in now. We are brought back into the place, the original creation and design that God created in the beginning. And go back in Genesis 1, start doing that. Read Genesis 1, then Psalm 8. It's a, it's a seamless picture, and then culminating in Christ. It's a new heaven, a new earth. He brings, he, he, he regenerates and, and, and reintroduces the original creation. Perfect. So that brings us to the last part of the psalm. In verse 6, it says, You made him rule over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds, and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea all that swim the paths of the seas. So it's not just that he accepts us, he accepts us, my mistake, and uses us. It's also that he gives us value. Something that for so many people that are are hopeless right now, depressed, upset, stuck, they feel like they haven't been accepted, they have no value to the people, to the world around them. But in God, one of the reasons why we look upon him and, and rejoice and we're exploding with this joy and celebration is that he knows us, he uses us, he values us, and that he gives us this job. He gives us a purpose. Two of the, 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 the main reasons why you have people that fall into a deep depression or they feel like they have, they have no reason to live is that they're not accepted they're not valued, and they don't have a purpose. So those are three. They're not accepted, they're not valued, and they don't have a purpose. And we strive our entire lives to get those three things. And friends, if you're looking for those three, three, three things in this world, you will not find them. You will have them for a blip on the screen, and it will be gone. And the search begins again. It's an endless cycle. You will find it and lose it. You'll find it and lose it. And the reason that we can look upon our Lord and see him as majestic is that we have those three things in Jesus. He knows us. He accepts us. He gives us value. And then this last section, he gives us a job. We have a purpose in Jesus. He doesn't just welcome us in and says, take a seat and just enjoy it. He says, now get to work. I've created you for something specific. You know, when we look at Genesis 1, we don't have specific jobs. 
you know, I don't know what your job is. We don't have teachers. We don't have plumbers. We don't have bus drivers. But what we have is a truth in Genesis 1 that I've given you a job in this creation to rule over it and steward it to foster what's there. Sorry for the leaf blower outside. I think they're doing work outside. But God has put you in this place to put you in that town that you're in right now, put you in the job that you're in right now, put you where you are right now for a specific purpose. And he says, get to work and release my healing and my glory in this creation to make it majestic, reflecting me and my image. That's our jobs. And God has put us where we are, exactly where you are. It might be challenging. It might be hard. It might be a lot of suffering where you are right now. And our instinct, our desire is to get up, unplug, and run, and try and escape it, and find a place where we have rest. But friends, in Jesus Christ, you have that peace now. You have his presence with you now. You have that understanding and that reality in your life that you are highly valued, you're accepted, and you have a purpose right now, exactly where you are. God knows. He knows where you are, and he's ordained that in your life. So our job is how are we going to steward what we've been given? How can we foster what we've been given? And that means that each one of us has a specific skill set that was specifically designed for us and where we are. You are useful. You have a purpose in God's eyes and in his creation. There's some people that it's just one corner. You, You maybe can't do every job. You can't do every job. There's a lot of things that you're not good at, but there are some things that that's your calling. It doesn't matter what it is. It's not just preachers, teachers, healers. It's it's any job, any calling and purpose he's put on your life where you find yourself right now. You might be working fast food right now at McDonald's. You might be a CEO right now. Anything from anywhere in the spectrum, he's put you in that place Not to glorify yourself. Again, remember the true statements in 1 and 9, verses 1 and 9. This isn't so that you can glorify the works of your hands and how much studying you've done and how much money you're earning and how much progress you're making and how much of an impact you are making and having on the the job where you're at or the community you're in. This is not about you. This is about how majestic is your name. Speaking about God, Christ, how majestic is your name, Lord our Lord in all the earth. So if you're in a place where you are just glorifying yourself, reset yourself and recheck yourself with God and what he wants for you and what his idea of worship is, because it's not about you. But with that said, he is ready when you are ready to release his power in your life where you are, him as Lord, but him with you as a father that has accepted you, put value on your life and has given you a purpose. So with all of that, the things that we want most to be accepted, to be given value, and have a purpose, the more we let that truth into our life, the more we soak in that throughout scripture, seeing that over and over and over again. I mean, like I said, start in Genesis 1, how it starts in the beginning. And I'm telling you, friends, if you go through the Bible, you will not lose that truth. That is a reoccurring truth that God continues to speak into this creation that we continually, repeatedly reject and misunderstand. But he keeps saying it. And I believe through me right now, you listening to this podcast, he is saying it again. Do you hear it? 
Do you understand it? And maybe it's hard to understand. Maybe it's hard to believe. God says, when you ask questions in your heart, I'll give you answers. And that is a promise. And I'm, I'm a product of that process. I've had a lot of questions and a lot of doubt, all the while believing. You know, that's possible to believe, but to have doubts. That's natural. But if something about this, the idea that God really accepts you as you are, all your, you know, in, in every way that you've been rejected, he's different. He accepts you. And even with your sin and everything you know about yourself, he still values you and, and gives you that position that is so highly favored. And then even though you've been told that you're not good at this or that you can't do this with God, he's given you specific skills and a specific calling on your life that you can have an impact where you are for the kingdom, for his glory. If those are hard to understand, if it's hard to understand how that's possible, ask him to make it clear. And I'm telling you, he wants you to know that that is his truth in your life. That's it. The things that we're searching for more most to be accepted, to have value, and to have a purpose in this world, we receive in Jesus Christ, in what he gave for us. Because when we look at that, when we look at verses 5 and 6, about how he made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Let's just look at that. Crowned him with glory and honor, made him rule over the works of your hands, put everything under his feet. That's pointing towards Christ also. It's it's pointing towards us, but it should remind us of how God has viewed and spoken about the Messiah, the Lord, the Christ. That under our authority, sinful beings, we can't handle it. We couldn't from the beginning. We need a savior. We need someone else to go before us, to argue for us, to be our record before our record is displayed, to be our direction and guide, to be our protector, to be our king. And we have that in Jesus. He comes and says, you're not perfect. I love you. I'm perfect. Let me go before you. Let me mediate. Let me bring you in. You can come in in my name. So in Jesus, we have those things that we've been searching for. We have those things that we desperately want. They're being offered to you right now as you're listening to this. Do you hear it? Do you understand it? Do you believe it? So it's bookended by two truth statements in verse 1 and 9, but those are all truth statements. I wouldn't be telling you that unless I absolutely believe without a shadow of a doubt that those are true statements that God intends for you to experience in your life right now. So just remember in this psalm and the entire scriptures and what God is speaking into your life through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name is that you are accepted as you are, who you are, where you come from, where you've been. You are highly valued even though there is sin and there is a record of unfaithfulness in your life, you are highly valued and that he has put a purpose in your life. He has given you desires and skills and passions to be used in his name for his glory. So that at the end of the day, when you've created, you don't look at your own hands. You look at the creator. You look at our God, our Lord, Jesus And you say, oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. 
God, I thank you that we have a place in this creation. I thank you that you've given us acceptance into your family, into your presence, and that we are valued regardless of, of ways that we know that we have been unfaithful, ways that we have not looked upon you and celebrated you, but we've celebrated ourselves. We thank you, Lord, that even in the face of all of that, that you give us value and that you love us. And Lord, I thank you that you give us our specific skill sets and our passions and desires so that we can honor you and bring more glory to you through the things that we are good at. Help us to use those gifts. And if we don't know those gifts, Lord, speak that into our life. Let us know how we are to be used right where we are to bring more glory to you and your son, Jesus. So, Father, as we, as we move on from here, as we go into Genesis 1, or as we go into the different chapters in Scripture, or we go into prayer, or as we go into our work day, or we're coming home from work, wherever we are, just reaffirm these truths in our life. And thank you for your grace, and thank you for your Son, Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we'll leave it there for the this week's episode of the Mobile Word Podcast, and thank you for tuning in. And remember to send me your thoughts, questions, comments, or scriptures to mobilewordministry at gmail.com. Um, uh, I, I would love to, to discuss things that are on your heart, questions that you have, um, even relating to this chapter we talked about, this, this psalm. But if there's anything that you would like discussed on the podcast, please send that in to mobilewordministry at gmail.com. And feel free to peruse the website, mobilewordministry.com, and uh, there's, there's resources there. Um, and they might be helpful to you or your Bible studies um, or the ministry that you're doing at your church. But thank you for tuning in. And until next time, enjoy the word and God bless. God bless.